0: A Black Executive Perspective.
1: Look, man, they didn't get a chance to play chess. They had to play checkers. Let's talk about it, T. Openly and honestly. There was a lot of smart kids there. A Black
0: Executive Perspective.
1: Now, my story's not unique.
0: There's thousands of
1: professionals of color who have experiences like mine.
0: A Black Executive Perspective. Whether you're aware of it or not, it's a topic that is often avoided.
1: We'll discuss race and how it plays a factor and how we didn't even talk about this topic because we were afraid.
0: A Black Executive Perspective. Are you being mindful of your mental health? So many of us are focused on our career trajectory. We often forget to take care of ourselves, let alone our mental health. Leadership roles already carry weight, and that's often placed on top of silent battles we fight in our personal lives. Join us as we speak with mental health expert, Dr. Patrice Lagoy, as she shares with us the importance of mental health, how to incorporate mindfulness throughout our workday, and the benefits of seeking and accepting help.
1: Welcome to a Black Executive Perspective podcast, a safe space where we discuss all matters related to race, especially race in corporate America. Our episode today is are you being mindful of your mental health? This is something I was definitely looking forward to discussing today and here and here's why. you know the importance of mental health is very uh, something that most people don't take seriously, especially in the workplace. We often forget to take care of ourselves, let alone our mental health. Therefore, especially in leadership roles, it can carry a lot of weight and stress and then we're also dealing with a lot of silent battles in our own personal lives so today we have a dynamic guest who's going to talk to us about mental health she is dr patrice lagoy and she's going to share with us the importance of mental health how to incorporate mindfulness throughout the workday and the benefits of seeking help Dr. Patrice Lagoy has a doctorate from the Chicago School of Professional Psychology with a focus on trauma. She received her master's in business administration from the California State University, Los Angeles, and her master's in marriage and family therapy from the University of Southern California. Dr. Lagoy is a licensed marriage and family therapist in California and a board member of the Community Mental Health Clinic that primarily serves low income, BIPOC and LBTQ community. In addition to serving on the board, she has presented her research on colorism, which I definitely wanna get into. We may not be able to do it today, but we're gonna have her come back. And skin lightening at the Conference of the Middle East and can contribute to publications in the United States and the Middle East as an expert source on mental health issues. She's also presented as a part of Intel professional team on topics including service learning during COVID-19 pandemic and received a grant to develop a program on spiritual wellness through indigenous healing practices, which was provided to students, faculty, and staff at TCSPP. Prior to her psychology career, Dr. Lagoy worked for several years in the entertainment industry, international marketing, for film, and television studios. Dr. Lagoy, welcome to a Black Thank Executive so Perspective podcast. What a great background. Oh my God. It's <laughs> this is awesome. I,
2: I've done I've like a lot of lives, Tony. I definitely say that.
1: <laughs> well, I, you know what? I like matter of fact, I need to follow you so I can have multiple lives as well, right? <laughs> but this is awesome. So, what we want to do, we want to get a little get to know you a little bit before we dive in, and you can help. Me and my audience in terms of mental health. So, just tell
2: us a little bit about your background, where you're from, family. Sure. You know, um, as you mentioned, I worked in entertainment for a long time. So, I'm originally from Southern California. I always knew I wanted to work in entertainment in some form, um, and really worked my way up. You know, not knowing anyone, not realizing how important that can be. You know, in in corporate America, and especially in entertainment, um, and. I really i found myself after working for several years in the industry um, feeling kind of a little bit torn maybe you know feeling very fortunate for the career that i'd had and the experiences that i've had and also feeling like this isn't quite my life's work i think there's something else i'm supposed to be doing and so i decided you know several years ago to leave that environment I had to go back to school, you know, completely different training. My whole background was business um, and decided to pursue psychology. So really, you know, starting from the beginning with that. And I love it. I've had great opportunities working in different communities, um, serving people who really weren't used to seeing someone like me um, or someone who looked like them in a lot of cases. And I've just found it so fulfilling. So that's, that's kind of where I started and where I am. And I think, I'm so glad you're bringing this topic up because it is something that's kind of skipped over. You know, you're busy, you're working, you have a lot of things to do. And mindfulness can seem like like a luxury. You know, I mean, I'll get around to that later on. I don't really have time to do that. And I feel like having worked in corporate America and now being a therapist, a psychologist, I, I understand both sides of it. So I'm so glad that you're bringing this to the forefront.
1: Well, more importantly, I'm glad you could join us to help us bring it to the forefront. So let me ask you this. And number one, I applaud you to be able to, you know, change careers in midstream, right? Where a lot of people feel that they're stuck and they don't recognize that. Guess what? They can switch up. And yes, it's going to take some hard work, but some dedication. But to your point, you're doing something that you feel very passionate about and you feel like you're giving back to the community, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. Is there something... Uh, An idea that experts in your field
2: basically say that you disagree with. Interesting. I wouldn't say that I necessarily disagree with this. I think that when we talk about things like mindfulness, like meditation, like do yoga, those kinds of things, I think that we ignore that there are a lot of people that are those things are not available to them. Right. And so I think a lot of times we need to talk about these with caveats. Um, So for example, I work a lot of times with different traumatized populations. When we do meditation, I will say, you don't need to close your eyes because maybe you don't feel comfortable closing your eyes. Right. And so it's not necessarily disagreeing. It's more that we need to be attuned to the needs of of whoever we're working with. Right. Um, And so I think that's something that's a step that gets missed sometimes and it's really, it's really crucial.
1: Okay, totally makes sense. And then my final question, uh, what's the hardest challenge you've had in your life thus far?
2: Oh, wow, what an interesting question. I think that probably one of the hardest challenges and I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate is balancing you know all the different kinds of responsibilities and obligations that you have, whether it's family, whether it's work with really, acknowledging what you need to do for yourself. Right. I think we can feel really guilty. I know I can feel guilty and I'm saying, okay, I'm not going to necessarily spend my time with my child here. I'm going to go back to school, even, you know, in my thirties and, and do all this stuff. And, and I think that it can feel very selfish and, you know, and I, I think for me, that's really been something that I've worked on is to make sure that I'm saying like, Okay, if I'm prioritizing something that's important to me, I'm also setting a good example for my child by saying, yes, be true to yourself, listen to yourself, listen to your intuition. Right. And so there's a way to do that and to balance it. But that is a struggle for me. I would say that's a daily struggle. (laughs) I would
1: think. Well, number one, thank you for sharing. I think that would be a struggle for most people because we feel guilty to your point in terms of focusing on ourselves, And so this is a good segue into are you being mindful of your (laughs) mental health. So Dr. LaGoy, are you ready to have this conversation?
2: I'm ready, Tony.
1: Okay. So let's talk about it. So one of the things, and, and, you know, I'm going to use myself as an example, you know, I'm from the baby boomer generation and, you know, growing up hearing the word mental health and how people talk about mental health today is two different things. Back when I was a kid, if you heard mental health, you're thinking the person crazy, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. like uh, Jack Nicholson in, in the movie, like, here's Johnny, <laughs> all right? Exactly. And you're like, he's exactly. got some mental health issues. Where today, it's a whole total different situation. So can you just, so everybody's on the same playing field. Can you define, like, what exactly is mental health?
2: Absolutely. And I would first like to say, Tony, I completely understand where you're coming from. I think that I will tell you, even when I decided I was going to change fields, and I told my parents like, why? You want to listen to people's problems all day? Like, And I was like, that's not exactly. That's not right. <laughs> exactly. It's just if you think about generationally, Correct. culturally, so many things, right? There's so many beliefs that we have about what mental health is or who seeks therapy is also a big area where there can be a lot of stigma. And so for me, I think in the way that we talk about it now, when we think about mental health, we're thinking about just being in tune with what's happening inside you. What kind of things are you responding to that are happening in your environment? And what kind of things, you know, just transitions in life that you're making, how do you do that in a way that is peaceful, that is without judgment, um, and in a way that is curious. And so I think mental health, we're used to maybe a lot of people, you think of it as like, something's wrong with you. Correct. I think nowadays, we're really trying to move that towards like, what do you need to do for yourself? How do you look after yourself in a more genuine way? And that's mental health. And of course, it covers work, it covers personal lives, it covers every, every area of our lives.
1: Got it, got it. And so when you were saying that, being mindful of the, being in tune, of the things that's going on in your head like give me some examples of what that would be
2: so i, I think that one example is like if you're finding yourself that every time you go to work you're feeling annoyed um, or you're feeling sad or just resigned to okay i guess this is the best it's going to be instead of saying okay it's because my job's terrible thinking about what is happening there that is making me feel this way every time I walk in the door? And do I need to then make some some big decisions around that, right? Around prioritizing myself and my well-being. Am I responding to this job? Am I responding to other things that are happening within me? So, you know, I think an example is sometimes people stay in an environment for too long and you, we've all worked with those people where they're not happy. They're not trying to make anyone else around them happy and they just feel stuck, right? you know? And I think that when we're... In tune with ourselves when we are responding to what's happening, listening to our intuition, then we can say, okay, maybe this is something that's happening within me. Maybe this is not the right environment for me, right. and I need to I need to make a move. I need to do something different. And I just think, I think mental health and like responding and listening to what is ap- actually happening within you and being super curious about that um, is really kind of the direction that we're you know we're all hoping to move towards. Got it. Got it. So, how would you define mindfulness? Mm. I think mindfulness is really being open to to the world around you, being able to be present, being able to sit with someone and not think about what you want to say next, <laughs> not thinking about uh, what other things you need to do, but really being able to. Pay attention to your, their body language, being able to pay attention to the things that are being unsaid. When, when we practice going within ourselves and checking in with ourselves, we can do that with other people in a much more impactful way. How would that differ
1: uh, than emotional intelligence,
2: mm. which
1: is a big thing now that people, you know, we see it a lot that you want to be yeah. emotional intelligent. You want to, you know, understand your emotions because they trigger certain things.
2: Yes. And I think I think emotional intelligence is a part of mindfulness. I think often when we think about emotional intelligence, we're thinking about directing that outward. So we're thinking about being intel- emotionally intelligent to someone else's needs, Got to it. what they're saying, right? And I think mindfulness is much more internal. It can be some external factors as well, but... I think mindfulness is more about like checking in with yourself. And I think when we think of emotional intelligence and especially in the workplace, we're saying, okay, we're working together as a team or we're doing a negotiation. Let me be in tune with you, the other person. Right? And Got so that's it. the way that I would probably distinguish it.
1: So mindfulness inward, emotional mm. intelligence outward. Yes.
2: Both important.
1: But, <laughs> and and important. both, both uh, on the Richter scale of importance. Let me, let's pivot to this, you know, You know, like I said at the beginning, I've been in corporate America, you know, over 35 years. In a lot of places, I was the only black person. I've been in advertising sales since 1998. Mm -hmm. And obviously, coming into an environment where you don't see anybody like yourself, you're the only one. You don't have any mentors that look like you. I've had mentors, but they didn't look like me. So that's a, 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 a... Uh, a sense of pressure that you're coming into the anxiety. Are they going to like me? Will they accept me? Will they accept my ideas? I'm different than everybody else. And then you add on the other pressures of life. I got to make money for my family. I got to, me and my wife got to get along. I got to make sure the kids are doing this. Right. And then to your point, you then start. And this, which is way down the totem pole you start thinking about yourself. Right. I really don't like this place. I really blah 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 blah, right? So how do you how do you navigate all that? And the reason I ask, and you know this, in today's society, we're seeing a lot of people who from an outwardly standpoint seem fine. And then next thing you know, we find them killing themselves or, you know, just losing it. And and I don't think and I'd love to hear your point of view because I don't think it's just one thing. I think it's just a combination of things. So I'd love to hear your point of view on that. Yes. I think you know,
2: there's so many people who can relate with all of the things that you're saying, like trying to juggle all of these different kinds of responsibilities and knowing that maybe in your certain environments, you might be looked at differently because that you are you have the added pressure of also representing a whole group of people, whether you want to or not. Right. And so, so I think that that is not stated enough that that is, there's pressure, there's pressure to show up in a certain way. There's pressure to be positive, to be upbeat, which goes to a lot of what you're saying, where people have this, this public facing persona and internally they're struggling with a lot of things, but for some reasons, don't feel that they can, talk to people about it, that they can say, I'm struggling. Right. And it's hard to say I'm struggling when people are looking at you as like the example of the success, the example of the person who's made it right. It's hard to say, "Uh, actually, things are not really great for me. And here's what's going on. And to be really honest without someone wanting to say, but you have it so good. What do you have to complain about? What do you have to be upset about? Right. And I think that that kind of goes back to that, what we're looking to do internally, that to operate without judgment with from a sense of curiosity and when people feel that that's available to them they can be vulnerable right they can say i i am very happy for my success in this area i'm very proud of my accomplishments and i'm struggling right it's that and that i think that a lot of people don't feel that there's space to say because maybe someone won't understand maybe they're not comfortable sitting in that pain with you right yeah and so people just want to be okay. And I think that we see a lot of people who feel that pressure, that people just want them to be okay and they can't acknowledge that they're, they're not doing okay right now, that they're struggling in some area. And that's that goes back to the reducing the stigma around mental health. You know, you mentioned in the beginning we're talking about mental health down a different way, and all of that makes a difference. We're talking about mental health in different communities. We're talking about mental health in the workplace. this all of this lessens stigma over time, but a lot of it comes from societal pressure, cultural pressure, whatever whatever is going on with you, where you think there's not space for my hard feelings right here.
1: You're a hundred percent right when you talk about the stigma. I always believe you know I've learned a long time ago words paint pictures, mm-hmm. okay? So when you and again. You say mental health, the picture is insanity, right? It's not anxiety. It's not stress. It's, it's the, the worst thing that you can ever think about. How can we, and then here's the other thing, and you just spoke to it, that pressure of showcasing success, but not being vulnerable to share your weakness, because again, a stigma is something a stigma, uh, this being a stigma, because this is something that back in the day you would not tell anyone that you're struggling a little bit from an anxiety standpoint. They don't wanna hear that right? And if you did tell them, you know, instead of you having one problem, now you got two problems, <laughs> all right? Because now they're judging so you. <laughs> now they're saying, what are you talking about? Blah, 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 blah. So that makes you hold it in even mm. further. And then you're going down the rabbit hole by yourself. So how do we get people to be less afraid mm. to be able to share and open up? You know, I got two daughters who're 15 and 16, right? And because mm. the world is a little bit different, we can talk about these issues and my daughter sees a therapist because she has anxiety where did she mm-hmm. get it from her mother and her father <coughs> <coughs> all right so all lead back to that right episode. but <laughs> there's <laughs> a ton exactly but so there's a ton of people who are ignorant to this fact so i'd love to hear how can we get people to be more open and by being open it's not diminishing who they are as individuals how strong they are the whole nine yards
2: Yes. One thing I think is really important is that we can miss a lot of the warning signs that someone's not okay because they express themselves, they show up differently in different people. So, you know, maybe this person, we look at them and say, wow, they have an anger problem. And maybe it's not about them being angry. It's about them feeling like maybe anger is the only way they can express the challenges that they're going through. That's the culturally or that within their family, that's an acceptable way versus saying like, I'm sad and I don't know what to do with it. Right. And I think so for all of us, one thing that we can do is to look at someone who is maybe not sad where they can't get out of bed or that kind of thing, the way that we might recognize something like depression or anxious in the way that they can't function. That's, there's, there's other little things that can happen that really could be a sign that someone is struggling. And so I think for all of us to be more open to what those signs might look like. Got right? It. And so to not to not diminish those signs that maybe are not what we think is someone's losing it, someone's not not well, like that kind of that big explosive thing that happens. It's not always that. And lots of times it never gets to be that. But that doesn't mean people aren't struggling. I think we just need to widen our ideas and definitions about mental health and mental wellness.
1: Got it. Got it. You know, I can't remember his name. Um, Mm -hmm. He was the DJ. Twitch. Twitch. Yes. 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 Okay. So let's just, you know, use him as an example. Everybody around him thought he was happy. They said he was the most positive person that they Mm -hmm. ever been around. He was Mm -hmm. giving people energy. Okay, giving them energy, chatting with them about their their challenges, making them feel better about how they could overcome these things. And then the next thing, you know, he takes his own life. So when you say signs, that's a situation where and again, I'm just going by what's been reported that, you know, people, his own wife, you know, who's supposed to be in tune with him. She didn't see those signs. So what what is your advice? How could we. You know, in that situation, and it may be an anomaly, but we're hearing more of that too, right? So when we talk about signs what 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 could we do to find out more about these signs? yeah, you
2: know i I, I do want to share something with you about that um, Tony you know i I have a young child. we listen to the call app before bed okay and twitch has a calm story a sleep story for children called your biggest fan and the whole purpose of this this story is to tell children even if you didn't have a great day tomorrow is going to be better there's so many people who love you there's so many people who are rooting for you it's really to make children feel good about themselves right and to make people feel good about themselves not in a false praise everything you do is perfect kind of way right and like Struggling is normal, and you and you can overcome because you have all of these things in your corner. And so I have to tell you that when I found out about Twitch after listening to the story, you know, children like repetition, um, nearly every night I thought, oh, wow, I mean, this is someone who, yes, has this persona where they're very upbeat and very positive and also is the narrator for this story that is all about embracing who you are. And that person was struggling, right? You can see how so many people have become extremely well-versed with that mask. Once you have it, then it's really hard to let go, right? As you said, what people know about him is that he seemed really upbeat and great and like a kind soul. That's what people said about him. And for him, that's that then became his persona. Who wants to see their cheerleaders struggling, right? And so I think for all of us, we need to say, yes, you can be a cheerleader and be a positive person. and You can also have some really dark days. You can have some dark moments and and all of it is okay. all of it is okay to share. I think that it's that pressure probably you know of like everyone that's what you're known for. you're this person, and there's very little space for some of the the gray or some of like the the more difficult challenges of life to to have room there you know, right people people sometimes have a hard time holding the two things at one time.
1: So what I'm hearing, unfortunately, we can't just go by what we see on the exterior. Mm -hmm. Right. And 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 obviously people are only going to open up to certain individuals. All all that being said, we should be a little bit more open to ask and say, hey, I know I get it. You're 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 twitch. You're Mm -hmm. the most positive person on the planet and blah, blah, blah. But let's be (laughs) let's be honest here, buddy. How are you doing? Right? Yeah. Because we know yeah. as human beings, we all carry something. So I is that what you're saying? That we need to be a little bit more proactive, right? In terms of checking in and not just going by, yeah, I'm good, but given more right. of a background to say, you probably are, but we're all human and yes. nobody's good yes. all the time.
2: Right. I think that's so important. I think that when we ask someone how they're doing, so many times we expect the fine they're fine I'm fine I'm fine and you just you've already moved on correct right? and there's not quite the space and sometimes that's some if that doesn't necessarily come from a bad place you want people you care about to be fine you exactly happy, exactly right but sometimes we want that more than we want to hear the truth right, right? and I think you know when you talked about you know your daughter and seeing a therapist and how great that a teenager feels like she can talk to her dad and say I need help I'm struggling right so many people are My dad doesn't want to hear that. My parents don't want to hear that. They want me to be okay because they love me. And of course you do, you want everything to be okay. But we also have to make space for those other feelings. And I think, you know, starting that with children when they're young, you know, when you're, you know, with different children and they say, I had a bad day, being able to hear they had a bad day and not running to fix it, you know, not running to say, oh, what can I do, but just, you had a bad day. Let's hear about it. What's going on? What would you have liked to be different? What, what feels like it's within you to do, to make a change? Do you know what I mean? Like empowering people to have those hard feelings, whether that's your kids, your coworkers, whoever, like it's okay. You can, we can be there and I can hear it. I'm not going to try to fix it. I'm going to let you be, but I will be available to you. Exactly. To hear it.
1: Listen, yeah. I mean, this is great. I, and I'm going to, this is one-on-one advice. All right. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting this right directly from Dr. Lagoy. So, you know, one of my challenges has always been trying to fix stuff, mm-hmm. right? And to your point, I had to learn that it's okay. Just let the person, you know, be able to say and speak. And, and you know, my question is, so what are you thinking? <laughs> How does that affect you, right? How do you feel about that? Right. And, it, and um, it'd be amazed, you know, my youngest daughter, she's 15. She'd be like, ah, daddy, I don't care. You know, they just say what they got to say. It don't bother me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, she good. <laughs> All right. <Yeah. laughs> and then my other daughter, she may not say that she may just eh, it's fine. And then just hearing that and the way you hear it, she ain't fine. Right. Yes. So those are the things that we have to check. And I really appreciate you sharing that because at the end of the day, it's our next generation. We don't want them to have that stigma that I had or your parents had and my parents had, you know, where because and I love to hear your thoughts on this you know, now you can, you know, you got DNA and you can, you know, say hey, this person came from this family. Mm-hmm, this person mm-hmm, came from that mm-hmm, family. Right. Well, well, also there's a negative to that too. So if this person is a burglar, he came from that family. <laughs> if he's got mental health issues, then guess what? Yeah. That family must have mental health issues. So there was a family stigma to that. So let me hear your mm. thoughts on that.
2: Yes, I think so. And before we get into that, I do want to say that Uh, when you were talking about how you ask your children questions, even the questions that you're asking are things for us to keep in mind. So what you said, I thought was really nice because you said, how are you feeling about that? You didn't say, are you okay with that? Which is a yes, no conversation that closes the book, right? Correct. It doesn't give someone a space for all of the more complicated things. So I think even whether you're realizing it or not, those are the kinds of questions, the tone that you're asking them in that create the space where we're talking about that reduce the stigma that allow you to have the complicated feelings. So I just wanted to oh, praise your, your you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I get an A from Dr. Lagoy I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so important. Um, and so now to your to your actual question about the stigma, it, that, I think that definitely does, can shape people's feelings, right? And I think that if you come from a family where maybe, you know, people weren't really doing too well, or, you know, not always able to make the best decisions, you might go in the opposite direction. And you might be one of those people that says, I'm going to be a success at all costs. I'm never going to let anyone know if I'm struggling because I have to prove that I'm not like them. Outwardly can look like, well, this person made it. This person's a success. That's good for them. And that person is still struggling because they're reacting to something negative. You know, all of their success can be a reaction to it. Um, And then, of course, on the other hand, people who feel unfairly judged because of, you know, where they come from or who their family is, that kind of thing. They might say, well, no one thinks anything of me anyway. So I might as well live up to that. Right, And so either side of that is not really mindfulness, right? It's not really like being in tune with what's happening with yourself. It's really responding to the external, you know, in a way that may show up on its face as being really positive or not, but it's still not genuine or authentic right. to you, that makes sense.
1: Right. It, do, it does make, make sense. It makes a lot of sense. So let me paint a picture for you. I'm working. I'm in corporate America. I'm leading a team. I have this big project that I have to accomplish, but I'm not feeling good mentally right now. What would you recommend in terms of how do I manage my workload when I have this, uh, You know, they're paying me to lead, they're paying me to solve problems, but at the same time, mentally, I don't feel good about me, I'm stressing. So what would you talk about? What, would, what, what type of solutions can somebody be able to do on the spot? Because a lot of our listeners deal with this on a daily basis. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. And I think think that if you are in a position to lead, hopefully you're also creating the kind of team that allows for these kinds of nuances. So that if you're able to go to other people within your team and say, hey, this is happening with me, I might need you to take this on um, rather than me leading it. But hopefully you've already created that kind of environment where you welcomed other people to be able to come to you and say, I, this this is really what's happening, and being very honest about what's happening in their lives. And if you're a leader, you can you can have a lot of control over that culture of your team, right? And so I would I would say that I think that's so important. If you are in a leadership position, yes, it's about meeting your goals, the team's goals, the the company's goals. It's also about creating an environment where you and your team can be honest and vulnerable and be able to connect in a very genuine way. So I think that's part of it. Um, And so if that hasn't taken place, you know, for whatever reason, you don't feel like that's that's a safe place, a safe environment for you to be honest about your struggles. I still think that there's steps that can be taken in our daily lives to make sure that we don't um, allow work to take away our mental health, right? And I think that a lot of that is being able to recognize that our workday, our responsibility starts before we walk in the office, get on the first call. Right? How are we? How are we looking after ourselves in those in between hours? Um, are we getting enough sleep? What's our sleep hygiene like? Are we on emails until we fall asleep at night and on emails first thing in the morning? Um, or are we setting aside time for things that really matter to us that are not related to our work selves? Um, are we able to? Get outside to exercise to just sit in the sun a little bit. You know, each day. What are we? What are we doing? That's just for ourselves. That is not allowing work to take over every part of our well being because you get so burnt out really quickly, and then you're just you just like you said, I don't feel great. I can't take this on. I'm overwhelmed. Because I haven't been looking after myself, I've been focused on these other things happening for so long that I, I don't. I haven't checked in with myself in a while, and all of a sudden I'm just I can't do it. Right. I can't do it. It's, it's too much for me. And so I really, I really encourage people to step away from work, even when you're really busy, even when it seems like it's not available to you. And that doesn't mean you're taking an extended vacation. It just means in the morning. I'm going to spend the first five minutes doing something other than checking emails. I'm going to, you know, read something that's just for fun. I'm going to sit outside. I'm going to talk to someone who I don't work with. That's not about work. Whatever it is that nourishes you, just making sure that you're, you're taking a little bit of time for yourself every day and really prioritizing yourself helps to reduce that feeling of burnout that you were talking about, you know, where you feel like I just thought I'm not up to it. You know,
1: so I would, say, I would say those two things. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, for whatever reason, we here in the United States, because it's different if you go to Europe and other parts mm-hmm. of the country, you know, work is our life where life is their work. Okay. Yes. And so we put work, you know, once you graduate college, or even if you don't go to college and you get a job, that becomes your primary effort and your 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 source. In everything that you do. Um, So what I'm hearing you're saying is that, hey, Tony, it's okay to say, hey, I need a break. It's okay to be open to your team, right? Because guess what? They may need a break. And it reminds me of a story, if you don't mind me sharing, um, and I'm going to, you know, uh, change the names to protect the innocent. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But this was years ago. And I worked at a company. And our chief marketing officer She and I had a great relationship. And one day she called me in her office and she said, Tony, she said, I got to say this to you. I I need your help. She says, am I doing a great job? Am I? And I'm like, yeah, you're doing an awesome job. She said, I just, I just feel like everybody's against me. I just feel just so much pressure. And I just said, listen, you're awesome. You're doing a great job. So my point is, she felt comfortable enough to be able to share that with me. But here's the kicker: it didn't matter what title she was. Mm -hmm. See, we kind of think that titles make us, you know, we got kryptonite. I mean, we we, we're we're superhuman because we are a a CEO or we a VP or we're you know we own this business and we can handle anything. No, we're human beings. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, what I would love, to. Hear, you talked a little bit about it, but I'd love to hear, you know, like, what are some of the things that we can do from an antidote? So we're always checking on ourselves mm-hmm. yes. that we're not yes. so in caught up. Cause look, even though I'm on this podcast, I do the exact same thing. Okay. Yeah. I get You're caught human. up in work. <laughs> I'm human. Right. So right. I would love to hear from you. I know our listeners would, Give us some of those antidotes, those things that we can do that can sep- help us separate ourselves from work from a mental standpoint.
2: Yes. I, you know, it makes me think of that feeling when you uh, when you go on vacation and you think everything is going to collapse if I'm not there, you know, because we work as if that's the case. Exactly. Go you go on vacation, everything's fine. The building didn't burn down. Everyone's everything's still running smoothly. And and I don't know if you've had this experience, Tony, I'm curious, that you're, you're glad, of course, but they're also kind of like, wait, am I not absolutely necessary to this environment? And You kind of have this push and pull, right? And I think that like being aware of that is that the job is asking a lot of you. We also ask a lot of the job when we make it our identity, right? And so being able to say, okay, I'm a CMO, but I'm still a, a human person with insecurities with, with all these other things going on, you know, being able to acknowledge that, but also nurturing the things outside of being a CMO, right? you know, making, making sure that you're paying attention, that the things that are within you, that will always be there that are not dependent on this job or on this title, which we get really attached to, to your point. Um, And I think that, I think that that can be really helpful because look, you know, jobs change. Industries change, the leadership at companies change, right? And so, if you are able to know, yes, I don't have that job anymore, I don't have that title anymore, but I still know who I am, and I'm still really comfortable and happy with that person. That can give us like a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a, a stronger foundation to operate on when the world around us is is, is going, you know, all over the place. It, it can and getting chaotic. It can give us a better foundation, just being really open to nurturing the things outside of work that make us us
1: (laughs) you know I really appreciate you sharing that because at the end of the day we have to number one we're a multi-dimensional being right we're not Mm one-dimensional and so it's important and it's and I think to your point it's okay Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable and Mm -hmm. say yeah I'm strong here but I'm weak here and that's all right That's part of who I am. Right. And so the more that we can have these conversations and educate and make it seem like it's the norm. Mm-hmm. And I think, and would you agree? Because I think right now it's not the norm. It's, it's starting to get there, but I don't think it's the norm yet. What's your thoughts on that?
2: I would agree with that. And I think for, for me, I've experienced this firsthand, you know, kind of thinking about the titles and the the pressure and, it not being the norm to talk about that. Um, for me, having worked my way up in, in marketing and entertainment marketing and then going back to school was extremely humbling. I can imagine. All of a sudden, I didn't have that job where I got to travel the world and the great title. I was a student and, like, not a young student, like a student who, like, you know, just got married and had, like, a baby on the way. Like, that's, you know, <laughs> that's not the way things are supposed to go. It was so humbling for me, Tony, to be able to say, okay. That part of my life is gone, but I'm moving towards something that's very important to me. And so, right now, in this in between phase where I'm a student and I don't have that job anymore, that sounded really cool and you know was really interesting to people. This it is—it's okay. It's okay to be there. And so that's that's part of my learning about not getting so attached to the titles, the accomplishments. Yes, be very proud of yourself. Know that you worked really hard, and and you deserve the accolades and the success. And that could all change and you still are going to be a wonderful person in the world. Right. And so I think that that's those, we just, we struggle to keep them in mind, you know, and it's, it's, it's really difficult sometimes to hold both of those things. It's true. No
1: question. No question asked. Mm-hmm. Finally, I like to, you know, how can I, how can we be a great ally
2: mm-hmm. when it comes
1: to, to mental health, to our friends, our
2: families, yes. what
1: would you recommend?
2: Yes. I think that some of the things that we talked about earlier, which are, you know, being open to someone's honest response to to what's happening, making sure that we're asking questions in a way that that opens up the conversation and doesn't close it out or doesn't direct people. Like what we were talking about earlier, if you say to your coworker, um, you did great about on that, on that job, on that job. You feel good about it, right? What are they gonna say?
1: Yeah, I feel great about it. Yeah,
2: I feel <laughs> I just, good. No, I suck. Right, <laughs> exactly. Either one of those, whether someone's saying, I don't think I did a good job, or yes, I think I did a good job, it, it doesn't it doesn't leave room for the rest of the conversation. So I think that every time we can do those kinds of things where we're opening up the conversation, when we're sharing our own vulnerabilities uh, with people, that, that allows them to see you as a safe space for I that. love that. And so we, we can, there's so many opportunities to do this every single day with everyone that you talk to, just being able to sit and listen and not feeling like you need to direct the conversation one way or the other, you know, engaging, active listening, setting your own boundaries in your life. That's also like setting, showing people, like modeling for people how they can be in the world, you know, and how they can be authentic to themselves in the world. So I think there's just, there's so many opportunities think about every time you're opening up a conversation and you're leaving room for like all the gray areas, um, for someone and see how they respond, you know? And that, is that, awesome. that is awesome. Something that's, that's, we can just all do in every, in every part of our lives.
1: I love the part about being vulnerable to them about you. Mm-hmm. Cause then that opens up, you know, yes. for them to feel like they can be vulnerable back. Right. There's an old saying yes. like, life is like a boomerang, whatever you <laughs> throw out you know, comes back. So I I love that. I think that is awesome. You know, is, does, does people of color, are they having Mm -hmm. more mental health issues versus anybody else? Because look, based on your background, you've been all over in Middle East, you've, 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 you know, worked in the BIPOC area. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah,
2: I think that, look, I can only speak as a female person of color, right? I can speak from my environment and I can say that there are a lot of stressors every single day in, in the world around us that add on to whatever other issues that you might be dealing with in daily life. And so I would say in my experience, the clients that I've seen and personally as well, that often the people who need the help the most are the least likely to seek it or receive it, right? And so for to be a black person in America is to deal with Daily trauma, whether you even if you're not experiencing it personally, you're experiencing it by seeing what's happening on the news, seeing all these different things that are going on. It's impossible to separate ourselves from our environments. And even the people who think that they're doing it well are not. No. (laughs) And maybe they're fooling they're fooling themselves or other people for a bit, but it's not, it's not sustainable. Right. And so I think that whatever, if you're from a marginalized community in any form, you have that on top of okay, I also have to do really well in my job because maybe I'm the only person here and I'm representing everyone and I need to be a success because my parents worked so hard and the ancestors wanted this for me and they worked so hard for me, right? Like we feel Exactly.
1: Like sure We're carrying it's, 400 it's, years on our back.
2: Yes, <laughs> 100%. For us, for people who are like children of immigrants like or immigrants themselves, people have sacrificed their lives for you to have these opportunities. And it is, I think, a challenge to... Honor those and honor yourself at the same time. And I think that's a lot of what we see. And then you add to that the stigma of letting people know that you're struggling, being able to find a clinician who looks like you or can understand your background, that kind of thing. It, it does, it piles on a little bit. Right. Uh, with, for people who need to talk to someone, feeling like, oh, that's not something that we do, you know, or that's right. not something that I can afford, or that's not something that's available to me, right? Um, so I would definitely say, people in marginalized communities. Really often need this help, you know, in in a in a greater form and maybe in a different way um, than what's currently available widespread.
1: I really appreciate you sharing your insights and thoughts and expertise. This is, I mean, we're at time. I could talk to you all day long. We just even just not we just touching the surface of this, and hopefully we can have you come back at some time at a later date so we can dive in deeper. Especially, I love to talk about colorism. Um, yeah, because that's something I dealt with and a lot of people deal with. And mm-hmm. I think for our audience, you know, especially a white audience, they need to hear more about that, that, that dynamic, um, that yes. has a lot to do in terms of how we see ourselves mm-hmm. and how we have our own our own infights within our own communities because yes. of light skin, dark skin, whatever yes. the case may be. So yes. I'd love to have you back. But my okay. question to you is, How can we help you? How can Black executive perspective Mm -hmm. help you at all?
2: I love this question. This is this is so great. I think doing more of these kinds of segments, you know, being able to say, hey, I'm Tony, you know me this way. I'm an executive. These are things that are happening within me. I'm going to have people on who are going to normalize these kinds of conversations um, to change our culture to change our beliefs around some of them to see like you can be a fully functioning human being and also be struggling right you can be successful you can look like you're happy on the outside and maybe you are happy i'm not saying everyone's really sad on the on the inside that's not true right um it's it's more that we are we are allowing these conversations to come forward and we're talking about it in a way that's that's very authentic and normalizes the conversation i think that helps me in, in like what I want to do. I'm talking about this more and more to different audiences. That's, that's invaluable for me.
1: Well, guess what? That's an easy thing for us to do because we're going to be doing this (laughs) on a weekly basis. So trust me, we're going to get the word out. We're going to promote it, but more importantly, we want to thank you for again, investing your time to to participate here on a black executive perspective podcast and talk about, are you mindful of your mental Mm -hmm. health? This has been fantastic. I've learned a lot. I'm pretty sure our audience learned a lot. So hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Are you mindful of your mental health with Dr. Patrice Lagoy? She was awesome in terms of letting us know that at the end of the day, we have to take a break. We have to sit back and it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to say, hey, I need some help, right? Because as strong as we think we are on the outside, Every human being has something that they're dealing with on the inside. So as allies, we want to make sure that we're checking in and not as much as saying how you're doing, is everything okay, but also sharing our own vulnerabilities with our friends and family, which hopefully will allow them to share their vulnerabilities with us so we can stay ahead of the game if somebody's having a hard, hard time from a mental health. So today's tidbit is by Jonathan Harnish. The strongest people are those who not show strength in front of the world, but those who fight and win battles that others do not know anything about. You can find a Black Executive Perspective at www.blackexecutiveperspective.com. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn at BEP. Podcast.com. For my gracious, brilliant guest, Dr. Patrice Lagoy, I'm Tony Tidbit. We're out. Come back again so we can sit down and talk about it. Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Tony Tidbit, A Black Executive Perspective, and for joining in today's conversation. With every story we share, every conversation we foster and every barrier we address, we can ignite the sparks that bring about lasting change, and this carries us one step closer to transforming the face of corporate America. If today's episode resonated with you, consider subscribing and leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Share this episode with your circle, and with your support, we can reach more people and tell more stories.